0: We uh, glad that you're here this morning. Y'all doing okay? Woo! He's doing all right. The rest of you are not sure. Um, and uh, it looks like we've still got a few people out on fall break. And uh, that's okay. Anybody Anybody get to go out of town for fall break? Just anybody? Yeah? Yeah, a few. Anybody go to Florida? We had a bunch that went to Florida in the first service. And I asked how many of you got turned away from Florida. And it was almost as many that went to Florida, I think. So uh, unfortunately. so. Uh, but our, our hearts and uh, prayers are with the folks in Florida that are dealing with all that. Uh, I told us first service, if, if, uh, if any of you happen to have a connection with a local church down that way uh, that is going to be in the middle of all this, uh, please let us know. Uh, that's generally how we get into assisting and helping and serving in situations like that. Uh, and uh, we would be, you know, we'd be interested to help and serve if, there, if we you know, found an outlet to be able to do so that we thought was viable. And, and so uh, just kind of keep that in mind as you talk to people or know somebody or whatever, let us know. Uh, we'd be glad to, to serve there if, uh, if the Lord leads us to do so. Uh, and we've done that in the past in other spots and places, things that have happened. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a terrible tragedy uh, that a lot of folks are dealing with right now. So uh, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, we've got uh, we've got a bunch of stuff going on here. Uh, I want to make mention of just a couple things uh, coming up. Main thing I want to make mention of is we've got a parenting conference coming up uh, first part of November, um, and uh, this is an awesome opportunity uh, if you are a parent to come and uh, maybe get a little help, uh, <laughs> maybe a little relief too, uh, to just kind of you know have. Have you know somebody else speak in from God's word speak in your life of of uh, what it looks like to be a godly parent uh, and all that good stuff. So uh, you know if you get a chance and you can be here, I think it's November the third. Uh, please come and hang with us for that day. Uh, it's a Saturday um, and it's a, a morning through lunch into early afternoon, um, and uh, the cost is like twenty dollars a family, and that includes childcare uh, and it includes your lunch and includes kids' lunch. So uh, I mean, really, you're you know we might you know we're kind of paying you to be here uh, in a way. Uh, so uh, you know, and that that's kind of purposeful. We just didn't want any. We just not want anybody to have uh, any reason whatsoever to not come. Uh, and you may say, you know what? I'm not a parent. I'm probably not going to be a parent, or I've already you know I've already raised kids, and I'm you know, not really in the stage of life where I need to be a, going to a parenting conference. <clears throat> Maybe God might use you to help uh, make the conference happen. Uh, so that other parents can be here uh, and can be involved. Maybe, maybe you come and, and you help with watching kids and uh, having fun with them and, and helping with some of the food and some of those kinds of things or whatever. Uh, our, uh, our hospitality team is working behind the scenes on that. Uh, so uh, I know that they could probably use a hand. But uh, anyway, just some things to think about, uh, and that's coming up here pretty soon. So uh, we're excited about that. Um, let's go ahead and jump into this. If you got a Bible, let's go to, to uh, the book of Mark. Uh, and uh, our ushers have Bibles, and they would be glad to bring you one if you need one. Uh, just throw your hand in the air and wave it like you just don't care. And, uh, yeah, and... Uh We would love for you to have one. If you don't own one, we would love for you to keep that one and consider it a gift. Uh, That is God's Word, and we would love for you to have a copy of it, and we would love for Him to speak to you through it uh, and love for you to have it. So please take it if you need it. Uh, If you need to bark, that's fine. You can take it back to the the bookshelf in the back on your way out today to help them. Uh, But uh, we're going to the Book of Mark. Surprise, surprise. We've been in the Book of Mark since February, uh, and uh, we're we're finally embarking into... uh, chapter 9. We touched chapter 9 last week for just a second uh, with verse 1. Uh, but uh, today, to kind of to kind of build where we are and where we have been, I think is important to kind of see where this passage is going. Uh, so a little backstory, a little backlog of what's happening here is um, that uh, the disciples in chapter 8, the disciples had just begun to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Now, the, the trick with that is that the disciples didn't really truly know what Jesus being the Messiah meant. <laughs> they just knew that there was supposed to be a Messiah to come, and they were finally, after all of this time, finally believing in Jesus to be the Messiah. Now, the truth is, is and I won't get too in-depth because we've talked about it for a couple of weeks now, but the truth is um, is that they believed in the Messiah to be someone that was going to be like this political hero who was going to come and save their people in the world as we know it, from all of the bad things that were going on and basically kind of usher God's people into being the top tier of society, and now they're going to get their way kind of a thing, you know, like, oh, yay, we win over everybody else. Uh, that, that is not, that is not why Jesus came, obviously. Uh, Jesus came as a humble king, not the king that they thought he was going to be. Jesus came uh, to be the guy who was going to literally save the world. Uh, came to uh, to suffer and to die, and so as soon as Jesus heard, as soon as the disciples let it be known that he wa- that that uh, that they believed that he was the Messiah, Jesus turned around and told them, "Well, guess what? I've come to suffer and die." <laughs> so you couple that with the fact that the disciples thought, "Well, this is going to be our political savior and savior of world here and now kind of stuff," then. Uh, you know, they 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 had a hard time hearing that because they don't want to hear that the guy that's come to save them is going to immediately die. We don't we don't we don't like to think about Superman dying. You know, I mean, that's not that's not, you know, what what we want to hear. We want to hear that he's just here saving the world and being Superman and kind of doing the thing. And, and so for Jesus, you know, he turns around immediately after they begin to believe in him to be the Messiah and tells them I'm here to suffer and die. Uh, we have this exchange between Jesus and Peter where Peter rebukes Jesus for saying this. Jesus, in turn, rebukes Peter back. Uh, Don't rebuke Jesus, okay? Uh, And and so then we've got this kind of like back and forth, and it's all all out of love uh, because it's well-meant or whatever. Uh, But the truth is, is that, you know, they're still struggling to figure out what does this look like. So imagine being the disciples, and you've been following this guy all around, and then he's been, you know, you know, proclaiming that he's, you know, the Messiah and all this kind of stuff, and they're trying, you know, they've seen him do all these wonderful things, and then, then they believe in that, okay, and then he turns around, and then he tells them that he's going to die, what kind of mood do you think that sets for them? Especially when they don't really understand everything that's going to happen. They're, they're struggling. I mean, I don't know when the last time was that you had somebody tell you that you care about that they're going to die, but it's not fun. I mean, that, 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 doesn't, like, that doesn't like lift your spirits. usually like, oh, yay, you're going to die. Cool, you know. I mean, we don't like to think about that. I had, I had a friend that died this, past, this, this weekend, actually, uh, from cancer. And I, I've had a feeling that this was coming for a while. He's been taking chemo for a while, and he's out of Knoxville and all this stuff. And he's been here in Nashville and everything. And I've been messaging him, messaging him, all this stuff, you know. And, uh, and he passed away. You know, I, I hate I hate losing people. I don't know about you guys, but I hate I hate losing people I love. I'm selfish that way. Um, truth is, is that our life and our hope is not here. You know, it, it's 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 somewhere else. It's with the Lord. There is this is not it, and and that's hard for us to fathom. For them, they this passage shows us that for a week they have been dealing with this. And I believe that part of the reason that we have the passage that we're about to read is because Jesus wanted to encourage his disciples. Now he specifically chooses three of them: Peter, James, and John, which is his inner three. We kind of see we kind of see a bit of a model for discipleship with this, this Peter, James, and John thing. That Jesus doesn't take all twelve with him on on his little hiking journey that we're about to read about, uh, but that we see him take Peter, James, and John, the inner three, the three that he Uh, trust more uh, responsibility to and that kind of thing, we're seeing Jesus kind of put a little more on these guys, okay? And so I want to go ahead and read this. Let's read this together. This is out of Mark chapter 9 and verse 2. And it says, after six days, this is after six days of Jesus telling them, you know, I'm going to suffer and die, and they're dealing with that. Remember that, okay? Uh, It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. And led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. He was transfigured before them. Um, To be transfigured, this is talking about like uh, crossing over, moving, changing. Like uh, In fact, the, the word here that's like the base word that this word is taken from is also the base word for like metamorphosis. And so, you know, we've kind of got this idea that there's like something, this is something crazy, okay? So first of all, it's Jesus, all right? But then you you apply like some crazy word that's happening and it's happening to Jesus, that's like triple the crazy, okay? I mean, because like something like this might happen to us, but it's not going to happen to us, but I mean, if it did, it wouldn't be like, this is when it's with Jesus, you know, okay? So it says, he was transfigured before them So after six days, six days that they've had time to emotionally do whatever they're doing after Jesus has told them that he's going to suffer and die, and they are struggling. We know that they are struggling with that information because it makes no sense to them how their Savior, how their guy, how the Messiah is going to come and suffer and die, okay? And then in the midst of this, he takes the three of them, Peter, James, and John, up high on a mountain, By themselves, and he is transfigured before them. Now, what does that look like? We're going to read a little bit of what that looks like. Verse 3, it says, And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, and no one on earth, like as no one on earth, could bleach them. Okay, so, like, this is Mark trying his best to take what we probably believe is Peter's account here uh, of this happening. This great happening which was that Jesus basically turns as white as the whitest, brightest light that we could ever imagine. Now we've also got uh, uh, this also in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke where we also see this happening. We also see we're able to kind of go back and look at other things and uh, I believe it's in the book of Luke we see uh, that Jesus' face, or maybe it's the book of Matthew, yeah, book of Matthew, uh, Jesus' face is shown as bright as a white light, okay? And so so not, not this isn't just a Jesus' clothes thing here. This is like Jesus as a whole is, he's changing in front of them. Like in some crazy, like we only wish we could make it up with movie magic-like way, Jesus is, is doing something in front of them that is dumbfounding, okay? And Mark's doing his best to try to describe it here. And in verse four, it says, on top of this, okay, it says, on verse four, it says, and there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. (laughs) This story, I'm just telling you, and I don't feel like I've heard a lot of people teach out of this passage of scripture over uh, my spiritual walk over the years, I don't know why that is, I think that this story is probably one of the most amazing things that we see happen in Scripture where Jesus kind of shows out. I mean, like, the truth is is we want Jesus to show out, don't we? Like, like we wish that, like, Jesus would, like, nunchuck, you know, karate chop people in the head and all this kind of stuff and, you know, shoot their heads off with laser beam eyeballs or whatever it is, you know, because well, he's Jesus, he can do whatever he wants to. But we don't see Jesus do that kind of stuff very often And the truth is, is here we're seeing Jesus do something and allow something to happen on purpose. Now, I I really believe with all my heart, number one, that Jesus invited Peter, James, and John with a purpose. Now, again... They're mourning, probably. I'm guessing they're mourning. They're struggling with the whole, like, Jesus is going to suffer and die, and he's their guy. And they're like, we don't even know what to do with that. And so in this moment, you know, Peter, James, and John are being allowed to see something from Jesus that he has not allowed anybody to see from him ever or will after this in, in this particular way, okay? He transfigures before them bright, white, light, like something we can't even imagine, okay? And what is happening is Jesus is allowing them to see the glory of God. The glory of God. Jesus is is allowing himself to kind of peel away some of his humanity that they might see more of his holiness and that the glory of God is coming out from You're like, okay, well, that's cool, Chris. Great, he turned into a you know a, a light pole or whatever. No, I mean, I don't think that we're really quite fully understanding how big of a deal this is. You go back to the Old Testament, and you have people like Moses who beg God, like God, please let me see your glory. Let me see who you are. And what's God say? God's like, well. You know, Moses, because you're my boy, I'm gonna gonna let you experience a little bit of my glory, but you cannot look directly into my face. You cannot look directly at me, because if you do, you will die. And we see God say that in scripture. But yet, but yet in this passage, the glory of God is shown you know, I, I don't know if Jesus is like, you know, he's like dialing it down or, or what it is. But because it's Jesus, some of the glory of God is being shown to Peter, James. I'm sorry, Peter, those three guys, James and John. That's right. Like second guessing myself ever, man. Peter, James and John. And so, you know, I, I think this is I think this is so huge. I think this is so huge. You know, and and I I think for us, I think, you know, we we have moments, we have these moments with God, right? You know, where every once in a while, like something happens and we're like, you know, we don't realize just how big of a deal this is. And then like, you know, later on, we realize even more and more like how big of a deal that was, that that happened in our life, that God spoke to us that way or showed us that or gave us the opportunity or blessed us in this way uh, or took care of us during a hard time or whatever it is. God deserves to be glorified for that stuff. And he wants to be glorified for that stuff. So Jesus, radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them, talking about his clothes, face showing white. We see that in Matthew. And we see that not only did Jesus start glowing white, but Elijah and Moses have appeared to talk to Jesus. You're like, okay, cool. A couple of guys showed up to talk to Jesus. And the disciples some these three disciples got to see it. No, not just a couple of guys, a couple of dead guys. Okay? Like they are seeing two people who are gone from the earth, okay? At this point. And and so, I mean, again, we don't we don't hear a whole lot about this passage. And I think that we're missing out because I really think that we see some amazing things happening in this passage. Number one, I think, I truly believe, that part of the reason that Jesus brought the three disciples with him was to minister to them and encourage them. Was to like bring them in on a moment when he knew that they were struggling and say, okay... You get to come and you get to come be a part of something and I'm going to show you who I am so there is no question whatsoever and that you do not have to worry that I'm going to suffer and die and it's going to be okay. I mean, you just think about it. Think about being Peter, James, and John. Think about being those guys, like, from that point forward, they're going to spend the rest of their life talking about this, like, like, oh, my gosh, can you believe that, like, that day we were, like, hanging out with Jesus on the mountain, and all of a sudden, like, he, he turns white, and then Elijah and Moses showed up? Like, what in the world is going on with that? And that's not even the end of it. There's more to come. Why well, did Elijah and Moses show up? So I believe Jesus was trying to minister to Peter, James, and John, and bring them along, and help them to be comforted in who he is, and what he was going to do. You know, again, you know, there's this interesting thing that happened as soon as Jesus heard them proclaim that they believed that he was the Messiah, talking about the disciples, that from that moment, right after that, that's when Jesus told them he was going to suffer and die. Before that, he had not really talked about that. So this is kind of like a second half of Jesus' ministry that we have entered into right here. Because from here on out, Jesus is going to non-stop talk about the fact that he's going to suffer and die. And you're like, well, man, Jesus is really morbid. No, 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 no. No, Jesus Jesus isn't morbid. Jesus has come with a plan to save all of God's creation that would believe in him and trust in him to be their savior, that would believe that he died on the cross for our sin, that anyone who would believe in him would be saved. Jesus didn't want us to miss that. And Jesus wanted everyone at that point in time in his life to understand that he knew that he was there for that purpose, to suffer and to die. So just like, I believe that just like, Um, Jesus brought the three disciples to encourage them by allowing them to see him transfigured and to see some of the glory of God and to know without a doubt, walking away from this particular day, that he was God himself incarnate as a human being and the son of God, that also, I believe that Elijah and Moses came to also encourage Jesus. Why do I think that? Well, Uh, really because of uh, the passage in Luke chapter 9 that's also about this same story. In Luke 9 verse 31, you actually see Elijah and Moses talking to Jesus specifically about his departure. They come In this moment, this moment, I don't think this moment lasts very long. I don't know, I'm not going to pretend like I know some time frame about it, but I don't think that this whole moment as a whole lasts very long. And Elijah and Moses come, and, and obviously the disciples knew who they were. Like, they recognized them somehow. Like, I don't know if it's because Jesus is saying their name, or, you know, like, hey, what's up, guys? You know, it's good to see you, Elijah. How you doing, Moses? You know, whatever. We don't know. We don't have all that, okay, and that's okay. But we know that they knew who it was. And we know that out of Luke 9, we know that they are speaking with Jesus about his departure. In other words, they have come. And again, I don't think it's a long conversation because we don't have a whole lot about it. But they have come and they're talking with Jesus about his departure. In other words, they're talking to him about the cross and an empty tomb. They're talking to him about his death and his resurrection. And so I, I think that God sent Elijah and Moses to minister to Jesus that's a thought isn't it like Jesus needs to be ministered to how I you mean, think about it he's fully God and he's fully man what do we see Jesus do he's he spends his time he's always trying to get away he's always trying to seek the father he's wanting to be ministered to as well he's still part human all right and he himself also needs to be ministered to. So he is ministering to the three disciples, and I believe he's also being ministered to. Otherwise, why in the world are they coming to him and talking to him about his departure? I mean, he knows what he's supposed to do. He, I mean, He's already even told the disciples, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And I'm going to rise from the dead. And that one really makes their head spin, and we'll see that one again here in just a minute. I really believe that in this moment, God sent them to help comfort him that the plan is still good. You're doing the right thing, Jesus. I mean, I mean just, just imagine if you're Jesus and, and, and the Father were to send a couple of people to you. who Who's he going to send? You know, I mean, he, he ain't going to send Tupac, you know. He ain't going to send, you know whatever you know i mean he's sending he's sending like the best of the best here i mean even at that take this for an account and we'll talk about this here in just a minute take this into account if you were to have gathered people at that time let's just say we even picked the 12 disciples and we asked them like who are the greats of the faith who are the greats of the faith give us three i can just about guarantee you that all of the disciples would have mentioned moses and elijah And who the third one would be might have, you know, varied with everybody else. But like Moses and Elijah, like you're talking about, you're talking about the law and you're talking about the prophets. I mean, you're talking about like these two great figures. In fact, I'll just go ahead and read this. Kent Hughes kind of had this like little thing of like, uh, you know, Moses and Elijah and how there's kind of some similarities to him, to them and and to Jesus and this whole experience like up on a mountain. For example, Moses and Elijah had both met with God on mountaintops. Jesus took the three guys up on the mountaintop. Moses and Elijah both met with God on mountaintops. Moses met with God on Mount Sinai in Exodus 31. Elijah met with God on Mount Horeb in 1 Kings 19. Both of these guys, Moses and Elijah, left earth in kind of crazy ways. Moses gets a grave that is only known to God, and Elijah is taken up on a chariot of fire, leaving for the rest of creation to build hot rods, trying to mimic that with flames. My hot rod joke went a lot better in the first service. Moses was the lawgiver and Elijah the great prophet. I mean, you're talking about two huge individuals of the faith. Moses was the founder of Israel's following God and Elijah, the restorer of it. I mean, I mean, you couldn't have picked two better people to send to Jesus in this moment. There's a lot to this. There's so much to this. I'll just be honest with you. I don't even understand all of it. Like, the more I study on this, the more I love it. The more I, I spent time with it, uh, the more challenged I've been by it. We see in Her- Hebrews 1.3, this talking about Jesus. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is the radiance of God of the glory of God. This is Jesus. And these guys are getting to experience just a little bit of that. Just a little bit of that. Now, there's something interesting that happens in this passage in Mark. In this passage in Mark, we see all of this going on, and Peter is just one of those guys that, like, he can't, he can't stop talking. I don't know if you know one of these people that, like, just can't stop talking. Uh, sometimes I can be that way. A lot of times I'm not. But Peter's one of those guys that, like, even in a situation when, like, you shouldn't say anything, he can't stop himself. I know you know one of those people. One of them is like an ant to you or something, right? And, and so we've got this in, chapter, in verse 5, going back to Mark 9, in verse 5, we see, And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, for he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. <laughs> so so Peter's terrified. They, I'm sorry, let me back up. They are terrified, and because they're terrified, Peter's just kind of like, um, Jesus, good, good, good. We're here. We could build you guys some tents. And I think there's actually some deeper, which we don't have time to get into. Uh, And if I get a time, get time to post something about it, I'll try to, there's a little more even to that. But uh, the truth is, is that uh, Jesus does not respond to this. Like, Jesus, I'm sure, I, I don't know if Jesus even looks at him, if he, like, you know, if, if like, I don't know if, like, it, it's, it would be so funny if, like, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah both all just kind of, like, turned and stared. Like, hmm. All right, back to this, you know, holy meeting, and you, Jesus, glowing like a glow worm, you know? You know, so, I mean, but, the, you know, this is, this is Peter. This is what we've got with Peter, and we, we're kind of getting used to, you know, this is kind of his character, and this is who he is. Uh, you know, in, in moments like this, he, he doesn't know what to say, so he just throws something out there. And it says in verse 7, check this out, because we're not done with amazing things uh, that uh, Unsolved Mysteries could have never made a show about because they wouldn't have known what to do with it. Uh, verse 7, it says, and a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. It's over. Now, before we, before we say it's over, let's don't skip the cloud, okay? I think this might be important. So, so this cloud shows up. And if you're familiar with Old Testament, then you'll know that that this cloud, we've seen this cloud before. This cloud has shown up before where God has shown his presence to be with his people, to even lead his people, or to speak with his people with voice coming out of said cloud just like we see right here. And we know this as the Shekinah glory of God. Okay? Now this is, again, this is an amazing thing. Jesus is glowing. Elijah and Moses are on the scene. And now we've got this cloud. And out of this cloud is God speaking to the disciples and he is saying to them This is my beloved son. Listen to him. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Man, do you know and I know I know for us that are those of us that believe in Christ to be our savior have trusted in Jesus, and we call ourselves Christians. I know that we are trying to follow Jesus, but do you know like, just how different our lives would look if we really took that to heart? Like, How different would life be for us if we really took that to heart? If we really listened to Jesus? like, How would, how would that change life for us? I mean, that would change so many things about our lives, you know? I mean, it would. I mean, it's it, it's amazing to even think about that. John one verse fourteen, and this is John from, uh, you know, the guys Peter, James, and John that went up on the mountain with him. Okay, John one fourteen says this. It says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory." glory as the only son from the father full of grace and truth when john is saying we have seen his glory he is referring to the day on the mountain when he saw and they saw the light of the glory of god literally shining through jesus on that day but there's even more there's even more there's there's more to moses and elijah coming even i mean you you got to you got to know something about Moses and Elijah. In fact, let, let's, let's read the rest of this passage. Let's just read this together. It says in verse nine, it says, and as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what, the, what they had seen. This is classic Jesus, right? Like, you know, something amazing's happened. He's been a part of something. He's done something amazing. And then he's like, oh, and guys, don't tell anybody, okay? He charged them to tell no one what they'd seen. He gives them a but, but it says, but until the Son of Man... Had risen from the dead. So he's saying, You can tell it one day after I've risen from the dead. Which, by the way, they're still reeling on this idea that he's going to suffer and die. And now they've seen him and seen the glory of God come through him. And I'm sure, like, you know, just their minds are like turning to, to mush. And because it says in verse 10, it says, So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they did, they did to him whatever they pleased as it is written of him. All right, now let me, let, me try to, let me try to explain a little bit of that. Okay, so in Malachi chapter 4, you have a foretelling, and the people of God knew this. They had this in their scriptures. The people of God understood this, and they were they were hanging on this little fact right here, okay? They were hanging on this idea that in Malachi 4, it actually tells that Elijah is going to come before the Messiah. So they're looking for Elijah. You know, it's like, you know, well, you know, we got to find the exit ramp off the interstate. Once we find the exit ramp, we know we're getting close to the destination kind of thing. So they're looking for, they're looking for Elijah to show up because they know when Elijah's going to come that the Messiah is going to soon follow, right? So we got, we got to imagine, like for the disciples, in the moment when they realized, not only is Jesus glowing like we've never seen anything in our lives, but here's Moses oh and Elijah i mean like the mo- I- i'm sure that the three disciples were like oh snap it's about to go down you know i mean like they're i mean they're they're getting excited like they're like oh this is this is crazy like what's happening right now you know like you ever you ever had a situation where like you know in the moment like something crazy like that's happening i never forget years and years ago when i was a kid watched Wrestling, not the real wrestling, but you know the kind on TV. Wrestling. We watch wrestling, right? And uh and uh well and that's gonna hurt some people's feelings that I didn't say it, that I said it wasn't real. Let's just say it's real, okay? There's some people believe that and sometimes I was there. Uh you know, but so yeah, you watch wrestling as a kid or whatever, Hulk Hogan and all these guys are doing the thing. And, and then, you know, oddly enough, uh, a guy that was uh, very instrumental in my life, teaching me how to work on cars, and big Mustang guy, and uh, a good friend of mine, was kind of like a, another family member to me or whatever, I would go over to his house, and we'd work on Mustang stuff until a certain time on Monday night, and then we'd go inside, and I thought we were just going to go inside and eat the first time we did this, like, so let's go in and eat and watch TV. We go in, and it's not just to eat. It's to spend the rest of the night watching ras- wrestling, Okay. And and so we go in, and so, you know, between him and then a friend of mine in college, whose name's Robert, and he's also a pastor these days, uh, I, got, well, I got to watching Monday Night Nitro. Anybody ever watch Monday Night Nitro back in the day? You just want to go ahead and confess it? We'll pray for you later. Nobody. Scared. Whatever. Half the, almost the whole first service watched that. You're a bunch of liars. Some of you, some of you just watch for the Nitro girls. Don't lie to me. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, so... Watch Monday Night Nitro, and it had a lot of those guys, you know, from the past. From the past, like when I was a kid, because they wrestle until they're like hundred now or something. You know, they're like they're like bringing them up there in a chair and stuff. But you know, so so they're they're going, and but there's several of these wrestlers that like we grew up with that are like just completely MIA. They've not wrestled in a long, long time. Uh and and so one night we're watching this and and one of the good guys, I mean, he's getting like he's getting beat up, and at that point in time you had some bad guys, that's NWO, and they're coming in and they're doing their thing and they're beating up on this guy. And you're like, man, somebody's got to do something about it. Like that's the feeling that you've got in your gut, and you're like, nobody's doing anything about it. And like we're sitting there watching, and I'm watching this at Robert's, Robert's apartment down on West End at this point in time. And he and I would get together every Monday night after class. We'd go to Belmont together, and we get together after class, and we would eat pizza perfect. Okay, get pizza from Pizza Perfect. And then we're watching wrestling. So we're we're sitting there eating pizza and we're watching the thing. And then, you know, all this is going on and we're both kind of getting mad about it. And then all of a sudden, this music starts to play. And it's bagpipes. Bagpipes were the key music at that point, well, for decades, for this one wrestler known as Rowdy Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper had not been on the wrestling scene in, like, 15 years or something crazy. I don't even know how long. All of a sudden, the music starts to play, and Robert and I both look at each other, and we both go, no way. <laughs> and, like, and, like, it plays for a long time. Like, we're sitting there, like, for, like, a, it, I mean, it felt like eternity that we're sitting there, like, waiting, and, like, nobody's coming out. They keep showing, like, where the guys are coming out or whatever, whatever, and, and nothing, and, like, just more bagpipes, p- and, and you're just like, what's going on? Like, why are they doing this? And like, all the wrestlers in the ring, they've like frozen. They're like, what's going on? You know, kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, here comes Rowdy Roddy Piper. And we're like, yes! You know, like, he's come to save the day! You know, kind of thing. And then he comes out, and he's like 100 years old, and he just comes in there, and he just starts clearing the ring. And everybody's like, oh, we're scared of Roddy Piper. We're getting out of here. You know, and then the good guys win. You know, kind of thing. That, my friend, doesn't even come close to what the disciples were feeling in the moment that they saw Elijah and they're like, oh my gosh, like this is happening right now. And we got to see it. And where's everybody else? Can't wait to tell the other disciples what they missed out on. Amazing amazing. But there's also something here that Jesus helps explain to them, where they've thought that they've literally been waiting on Elijah to come to prepare the way for Jesus to come, the Messiah. Jesus actually throws a little something in right there at the end. Verse 13, he says, but I tell you that Elijah has come. And he didn't mean just up on the mountain. He says, but I tell you, Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. And what Jesus is talking about, and we know this from the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, from the other accounts, because, again, Mark's not great on details. He's very to the point. But we know from the other accounts that Jesus is letting them know that he's talking about John the Baptist. The whole time, the book of Malachi was calling this person that was going to come, Elijah was really talking about John the Baptist to come to prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus helps clarify this. And I, you know, I just look at this and I just like, man, how amazing is this account? How awesome is it that these three guys got to be a part of this on this day? Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The law and the prophets, Moses and Elijah. It's all tied together. We also have another account of one of the three that are with him on the mountain, who write of this exact moment and when it happened and all it, it looked like, Second Peter, okay, from Peter, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 16, it says, "'For we did not follow cleverly devised myths "'when we made known to you the power and coming "'of the Lord Jesus Christ, "'but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty.'" Okay, now he's not just talking about like, hey, we camped out with Jesus a whole lot and we know what he smells like. He's saying, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And if you don't think this is not talking about this particular uh instance, then just keep following along. For when, verse 17, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. Capitalized, capitalized there. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Boom. That's that's Peter's account of this happening. That's him telling this that happened, that he got to be a part of this, that he was there, he's, he's getting to finally give testimony of what happened because Jesus had by this point in time, had died and rose again. And in the end, when the cloud cleared, who was left? Peter, James, John and Jesus. Moses and Elijah stay around? No. Moses and Elijah didn't stay around because it wasn't up to Moses and Elijah to save God's people. It never was. There were many people over time, there were many people who were following the Lord that believed in Moses and Elijah as their deliverers and that kind of thing. But the truth is that all along, the plan was Jesus. Only Jesus was left in the end. And this is true for us, that we put our hope in other things other than Jesus in our lives. Don't we? We do it. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. You know, I mean, for so many of us, you know, this, this, is, this is what we long for. We don't, we don't realize a lot of times that what we long for is Jesus, but what we long for is Jesus. We long to be in his presence. We long to worship him and experience him, okay, okay? And Keller talks about this, like experiencing God for who he is. And and, and I think that's part of why I truly believe, one of the many reasons, biblically speaking, that, that it's so important for us to gather as the church, to worship together, to be together, to be in the presence of God together, to encourage one another, but to let him wrap his arms around us. And obviously, we can do that on our own. We can do that in Bible study. We can do that in prayer. But that to just be with him and experience his peace and his love and his care. For Jesus says, all of you that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Keller says, it's one thing to know he loves us. It's another thing to experience it. He talks about it like telling somebody about a great restaurant. I could tell you about like the greatest restaurant that I think there is and 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 you know like you've heard me like talk about it 10,000 times and 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 even like the very last time that you hear me talk about it and I talk about it's delicious tasty amazing chips and salsa right Is that working on you But the truth is, is until you go there and you eat it for yourself, you have not experienced it and you don't know. Even if you believe because I told you, you have not experienced it. And the truth is the same for your relationship with God. I can tell you how great it is, but until you have experienced His love, His peace, His majesty, His working in your life, His arms wrapped around you, His forgiveness, you will not completely understand what it really looks like to be forgiven to be loved and and to find all the things that god has for us which includes the purpose of our lives i had a day this week where i just was struggling with a bunch of stuff on my mind and you know I just you, you, it's real easy i mean you guys know this it's real easy to kind of go to a bad place in your head and by the end of the day you know i I was thinking about, like, what would make me feel better or whatever it was, you know. And, you know, we all go to, like, you know, well, maybe I just need to call somebody and get it out or maybe I need to, you know, whatever. Maybe I need to be told I'm doing a good job or maybe whatever it is. You know, we all have that, you know, not knocking that kind of stuff at all. You know, we all love to be encouraged and and we need encouragement from others. But the truth is that by the end of the day, I realized what I needed wasn't like a pat on the back or, you know, that a boy or whatever. It was that I needed Jesus, Because it's when I'm with him that everything else comes into perspective. When I am seeking him, everything else makes sense. Suddenly, things that we might be anxious about, worry about, or whatever, suddenly we don't worry about them as much. Because it's like, oh, well, I mean, you know, if Jesus could do this, command like the club meeting with Moses and Elijah and glow like... Nothing that was ever seen before, and the pillar of cloud come down, uh, and God speak out of it and say, You know, hey, this is my son, listen to him. Then I'm kind of left going, You know what? My stuff's pretty small. My stuff's pretty small. And in the end, I'm reminded that in the end, it's only Jesus, it's about Jesus. And we make it about so much else, but it's really about Jesus. Anything that we should do as a church ever should be about Jesus. If it's not, then we shouldn't do it. It's not something we need to be doing. Our lives really should reflect that as well. I can only imagine what it was like to have seen Peter, James, and John standing there while, while Jesus is glowing like you can't even see see at him, you know? And and I mean probably they're glowing because the, the the light is so bright, I'm not even sure you'd have been able to have made out who they were, much less who Jesus was. I, I don't I don't know. It's hard it's hard to imagine. But in the end, when the cloud disappears And after God has spoken, Moses is gone, Elijah is gone, and only Jesus is left to take us to safety. And only he can. We can't do it. No preacher can do it. No one single person on earth can do it. Only Jesus can do it. It is because of the sacrifice that he made of giving his perfect life, living that life, and allowing us to kill him literally on a cross, that he would shed his blood, only that sacrifice is enough to cover our sins if we believe in him. And the question today is, do you believe? And you may say, well, Chris, I've been thinking about it for a long time. You know, I keep kind of, you know, coming back to some things, and I keep thinking I'm going to, you know, get some things in order so that I can come to Jesus. Let me let me just help you understand something. We can't get those things in order. We, we like to think we can, but we can't. We need Jesus to come in, and we need him to clean house on our lives. That's what we need. And he's glad to do it, and he loves us, and that's what God has intended from the beginning of time. It's so crazy to think that God knew he would use even Moses and Elijah from the beginning of time. Like, I, I, it had been so funny if like, God had ever told either one of those guys or both of them or whatever, like, hey, you know, by the way, after you die, I'm going to bring you back, and you're going like, you know, to come and encourage the Messiah for a second up on the mountaintop. <laughs> I'd be like, what? you got to be kidding me, right? We all want mountaintop Jesus, and the truth is, is that we can all have him. He went up on that mountain just like he went to the cross. He did it for us. He loves you. He cares for you. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. He wants to pick you up, and he wants to carry you the rest of the way. Will you let him? Will you believe in him? Will you trust in him to do that, to be enough, to be your mountaintop Jesus? This morning, uh, like we do every Sunday morning, uh, we have a time of response. And in our time of response, we take the Lord's Supper together. We take communion together. And this morning, uh, we will be doing that. And I, I want to invite anybody that is a believer. You don't have to be a member at 24 or whatever. Uh, I just want to invite anybody that's a believer to, to, to come and to, to take uh, the cup, to take uh, the bread, to, to be reminded of the sacrifice that Christ made for us and to glorify him in doing so. You know, this is a great time of reflection. But I'll, I'll say this. Uh, not only is it a time for communion, but it's also a time if you need somebody to talk with or to pray with, myself and some other folks, will be hanging out down here in the front. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you about whatever we can, uh, especially especially if you're at a point today where you're saying, Chris, I think, I think today's the day that I believe in Jesus, that I trust God, and that I'm saved. Uh, we would love to talk with you about that. That would be awesome. Uh, I want to read this passage of Scripture for us. And uh, it went away. This is Matthew 26, verse 26, and it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink it again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is waiting to drink it again with us one day for those who have believed. And if you have believed, you can drink it this morning to remember and to celebrate the sacrifice that God has made for us. I invite you to bow your head with me for just a second. And maybe just maybe you just need to take a second with the Lord and just say, God, you're working on my heart right now. I need to confess sin to you right now. I need your comfort right now. I need your peace right now. Whatever it is, take a minute, spend, spend a moment with the Lord. God, I pray that as you lead us in this time, Lord, I pray that if anyone watching online, here live, Lord, that anyone listening to this that has never trusted in you, believed in you to be their Savior, I pray that today would be that day for them. God, work in their heart. God, that's a work that only you can do. And God, we trust you to do it. Lord, speak to their hearts. Help them to see, as you have helped many of us to see, that we are all sinners and we need a Savior. And Lord, we believe in your Son, Jesus, to be it. God, do the work that only you can do and save the lost. God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son to die for us. Thank you for sending him to live for us, to rise again for us. God, be glorified in our lives as we go and we live for your name. We ask all this in your name. Amen.